0: Well, good morning, Transformation Church. How we doing? Anybody excited to be able to worship Jesus in this house this morning? Well, if you have your Bibles, you just want to follow along, we'll have it up here on the screens. But if you just have your Bibles you want to follow along, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We want to begin by wishing all the fathers a happy Father's Day. Can we give it up for the dads in the house? That's weak. Come on, y'all. Give it up for the dads, man. I say that because this is actually my first Father's Day. Um, I have the privilege of having my beautiful wife, Mylena, with me, along with our five-month-old daughter, Trinity. So if y'all can stand girl, you better stand up. Yes, yes, work, work. Trinity fell asleep in the previous service, so we'll see what happens. That doesn't really endear a lot of confidence for dad on Father's Day, but, you know, hey, it's okay. Um, And I want you guys to give it up for your pastors, Pastor Brad and Ashley, Pastor Dan and Pastor Kathy. Come on, give them honor. You know, the thing I love about them is that we're real friends outside of ministry. We don't just get together and talk about church stuff. That would be boring anyway, okay? Amen. Amen. Sometimes we just hang out, we just eat, we talk, we're in each other's lives, and I'm just so thankful you are led well. And I also want to recognize this incredible team as well, from the worship to the tech department with Kyle, and of course, Pastor Justin, your executive pastor as well. He's shaking his head. It's going. Just let it happen, bro. Just let it happen. Let me tell you, it's, it's no light matter that both of your, your founding pastor and your lead pastor can be out and church can still be this good. That's not normal, okay? So can we give it up for Pastor Justin one more time? And I have a couple of friends in the house as well, some of our leaders at the church, New Dimensions, where I come from, Nate and Arneesha, if y'all would stand up real quick. Give give everybody just a little church wave, give everybody just a church wave. And I got some personal friends as well, the Hendrix family in the back here. Yo, what up, what up? So before we get into the word this morning, I want to pray with you guys. I want to invite the Holy Spirit's presence in as we talk about this very important subject of weakness, okay? All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence being evident in this place. You are good to us. God, even as the worship team lifted up just a sweet savor of worship to you, may it fill your ears, God. May you receive and then pour back out your Holy Spirit upon this place. God, even as we speak, God, we think of Pastor Brad and Ashley. We think of Pastor Dan and Pastor Kathy as they're taking this time of of refreshing, God, as they're connecting again, as they're hearing from you. God, I pray that you would touch them, that you would pour back into them everything that they've given out, God, that you continue to walk with them through this hard season of their lives. And I thank you, God, that they've just exhibited so much grace and love and holiness in the midst of it, God. I pray that you would not waste that pain, but that you would invest it back into them, that they may be blessed 100-fold. God, as I deliver your word, we recognize that there can't be a fire in this place if there is an iceberg in the pulpit. So, God, would you light me on fire, that I may burn for you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Now I got a question for you guys. How many many of you are basketball fans? Now hold on, hold on, put your hands out. Before you put your hands out, I'm not talking about you post about basketball on Facebook, okay? Real fans. How many y'all are real basketball fans? Let me see your hands. Okay, so it's not that many. Okay, all right, I see you, I see you. How many of y'all are watching the NBA finals? Who are y'all rooting for? (laughs) He said, (laughs) Chicago. He said, I'm throwing it back. It's MJ and nothing, okay? That's what it is. So I was watching the NBA Finals, and it was a great series. It was a very short series, okay? Brooms out, okay? Sweet. But the interesting thing about it is, it made me think about great finals moments. Now I'm a basketball junkie. From a young kid, I was loving basketball, would study it, would read all the books, would watch old games, you know, that black and white, you know, the black and white back when we didn't have color television. I wasn't around then, okay? All right? I wasn't around, but I would go back and I'd watch those games. And one of the greatest performances I remember was in 1970. Does anybody remember the 1970 NBA Finals? No? Okay, it was between the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks. Okay, so the Lakers were stacked. They had Jerry West, they had Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, a crazy team. The Lakers in that era were unbeatable, were unstoppable in certain years. But the Knicks had some, yes, Gail Goodrich, exactly. We got a basketball historian here, he gonna check me. am like, okay, let me check my notes here, uh, Siri, what is, I'm kidding. But so the New York Knicks, they had a crazy team, too. They had Walt Clive Frazier. They had Phil Jackson, who would go on to coach the Chicago Bulls, Dave DeBuscher. And then they had one particular guy who was the core of what they did. His name was Willis Reed. Anybody remember Willis Reed. My man remembers Willis Reed, one of the top 50 basketball players of all time. Willis was crazy with it. He was 6'9", 240 pounds, power forward center. He could take you out and shoot over you. And he was playing against some of the greatest centers of all time in that era. But the problem was when they were playing the Los Angeles Lakers, the Knicks had a catastrophic injury to their star, Willis Reed. He tore his thigh muscle. Now, I didn't say he pulled it. I didn't say he strained it. I didn't say he tweaked it. My man tore it. That thing ripped. And so I'm thinking like, yo, that's crazy because I'm thinking about how much pain. I've pulled a quadricep muscle before in track and field, and so I recognize how much pain I was in just by pulling it, just by straining it a little bit. But Willis Reed had a game seven to play. He was like, I'm not letting anything keep me from playing this game seven. Now, people were looking at him like, man, you can't play a game seven. Come on, man, you're going to be weak out on the court. But the interesting thing is they shot him up with some cortisone, right? They gave him a few shots. You know, that's what they do. They don't tell you about it, but that's what they do to numb that pain. And Willis comes hobbling out there, and the crowd in Madison Square Garden in New York, New York erupts. They go crazy because Willis Reed was their heart and soul. Now was Willis Reed great in game 7? No, it wasn't one of his best games, but he hit the two most important shots of the game and those were the first two points or first two shots, first four points for the Knicks. He had a jumper from the free throw line and then a jumper off the right side, off the wing, 16 feet right over a defender's outstretched arm and the crowd goes nuts. And from that point on, the New York Knicks dominated the game to win the NBA title. It was Willis Reed's weakness that propelled them to a championship. And much like it was Willis Reed's weakness that propelled them to a championship, I'm here to tell you that it is our weakness that propels us in the way of Jesus. It is our weakness, it is our lowliness, it is not our strength, it is not the times when we're at our best, but it's rather the times of weakness that God uses to advance us in his kingdom. It's a little bit of flipping the script. Now, it may seem weird because we're talking about weakness on a day that's dedicated to celebrating masculinity, right? Father's Day. I mean, come on. Like, who wants to talk about weakness on Father's Day? But in reality, I think it's actually appropriate because I believe that in culture, in society, There have been unrealistic expectations placed on men. Men have an unrealistic expectation, just like women in many different ways, but men in a certain way to keep everything together, to always be strong. Never show weakness. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever looked, gotten some funny looks when you started crying if you're a man? I don't know what you're crying for. Don't cry. There's this mentality that we have to have everything all together. Now, let me be clear. The strength that I'm talking about, it, it, it's not—it's the bad kind of strength, and I'll explain it in a second, but there is some good types of strength, okay? Don't get me wrong, all strength isn't bad. Like, for example, since it's Father's Day, I'll give you guys an example. Um, and dads, you know this. When you get back from the grocery store and you see 10 bags in the car, and you're like, I'm taking them all in one trip. That's strength, okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, that's me and my wife. Every single time, there'll be 50 bags. And she'll be like, you don't have to take them all in. I'm like, but I have to, though. So I'm just putting bags up, carrying them with my legs, and stepping up the steps. You know, that's a good kind of strength, right? You want to know another good kind of strength? Um, how many of y'all seen the movie Taken? With Liam Neeson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, if anybody touches Mylena or Trinity, you're going to see I memorize that speech just in case, okay? That's a good kind of strength, Okay. So I'm not talking about the strength that leads us to passivity or avoidance. What I'm talking about is the idea that spiritually we have it all together. You know, another word for that is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness says, oh, I've got this. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm handling my business. I don't need any help from anyone. You know what, God? You can chill too. I've got this. That's the type of strength that Jesus rejects. And by weakness, I'm not talking about passivity. I'm not talking about avoidance. I'm not talking talking about running from a good fight. What I'm talking about is humility. Humility, weakness in the form of humbling ourselves before God. That's the way of Jesus. Now, I know it may seem like that should be different. It may seem like, why doesn't God use our strength? Well, many people in the Bible had to realize, they had to learn through hard times, through trials, through tribulations, that God blesses humility and weakness more than he does strength and pride. One of those guys, he wrote our text in 1 Corinthians. His name is Paul. Now, how many of y'all know Paul? Y'all know Paul? Y'all on y'all, y'all first name basis, y'all text, y'all call sometimes? Paul is a cool dude, right? Paul, if there's anybody that was strong, it was Paul. Paul used to say this, man, but, you know, I think, personally, Paul was one of those super Christians. You, you know the super Christians that I'm talking about? Super Christians are the ones that have a verse for everything and every situation, right? We watching the, we watching the NBA finals, and they're like, hey, look at him. He's getting tired. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, young man. You're like, what? Like... I'm just trying to watch the game like, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with the word. I just want to eat sometimes and not and the prayer not be 30 minutes. You know, I'm just I'm just saying I'm going to be honest with you. OK, but the interesting thing about Paul is he was a super Christian in name only because Paul wasn't really a believer in Jesus. Paul had a form of godliness, but no power. Paul, when they talk about Paul in Philippians chapter 3, it's very interesting because Paul introduces himself. He introduces himself to the Philippian church by reminding them of his righteous resume. And his righteous resume is stacked, y'all. If anybody was spiritually strong, it was Paul. Look at Philippians chapter 3. This is what it says. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If y'all think y'all strong, I'm stronger. I'll prove it to you. I have more by being circumcised on the eighth day. Yeah, that's exactly that, that, that audible. I, don't, I wouldn't want to remember that and use that in an argument, but it's, it's Jewish culture, so it's cool. Circumcised on the eighth day, Cool. You're more spiritual than me. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew. I'm a super Hebrew. I'm an elite Hebrew, the elite of the elite Hebrews. Then he goes on to say this. He says, as to the law, I was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the scribes. They were the great academic theologians. They knew all the word. They memorized it. They were deep. A persecutor of the church. So this is the interesting thing, Paul actually persecuted true believers. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about people following Jesus but actually persecuting real believers. You know, that doesn't happen today, you know. (coughs) Facebook, (coughs) excuse me, excuse me. That happens on social media all the time, doesn't it? We recognize that Paul was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. You couldn't accuse me of anything. But get this, this is the proper view of strength that Paul sets up for the Philippians and he gives to us today. But whatever strength, whatever gain I had, I counted as weakness for the sake of Christ. Whatever I could put forward to prop myself up, I let it go so that Jesus could count me weak and humble and use me. What am I trying to say? All I'm trying to say is Jesus is the only strong one, y'all. There's nobody truly strong outside of Jesus. And that leads us to the reality that weakness is the way of Jesus. Everybody say weakness. Before we can talk about weakness, though, we need to talk about strength. Let's talk about this. Okay, number one, strength is not a kingdom requirement. Strength, self-righteousness, remember the definition, is not a kingdom requirement look at our text in 1 Corinthians 1, what we see here is that Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. Now, the interesting thing about the church at Corinth is Paul had to write them two letters. They must have been in bad shape for Paul have to write them two letters, okay? That's crazy. If Paul writes me one, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Paul wrote a second letter to them, but in the first letter, he's establishing the foundation, and he says something interesting in verse 25. He says, get this, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, that's interesting because he's using a little bit of hyperbole because is God ever foolish? Y'all better answer. He, He looking. Is God ever foolish? Is God ever weak? This is what he's saying. On God's worst day, he's still better than your best day. Even when God is weak, he's still stronger than you. Do you realize that? That sometimes we need to take a step back and say, oh no, I'm not going to be able to outdo God being God. Can can I just say it like how I would say it at home since we family? You ain't going to outdo God being God. Nobody can take his place. Nobody can supplant the Savior. Nobody can demote the divine. What he says here is even God's worst is better than your best. That's a very sobering reality, right? Then he goes on to say this. I love this, y'all. Y'all got to catch this. So you got to actually read the text, man. I'm telling you. Look what he says. For consider your calling. Now say this like you would say it. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of y'all are wise according to worldly standards. Not many of y'all are powerful. Not many of y'all are of noble birth. Don't let the weird syntax confuse you. Paul is dissing them, y'all. He's throwing some spiritual shade on them. He's basically saying, you know what? Y'all ain't really that smart. <laughs> you know what? Y'all weak, real talk. Y'all weak. You know what? Y'all, y'all born on the wrong side of the tracks, ain't you? <laughs> you know, sometimes we got to do this. Dads, have you ever had to put your son back in his place? You know, he, he got a little, under, uh, a little underarm hair he got a little chin hair. he got a little deep, deep voice. Yeah, he starts sticking his chest out at you, and you had to let him know, hey, 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 this is my house, boy. I haven't had to do that yet, and I don't think I would do that with my five-month-old. It doesn't work. She just laughs and, and poops and does all that stuff. Paul is letting him know he's doing a little spiritual smack talk on behalf of God. Now, remember, y'all ain't that impressive. What is Paul trying to say? Paul is trying to remind them and show us, listen, that strength is often an optical illusion. What you see isn't always what you think it is. Can I give you an example? How many of y'all lift weights? How many of y'all lift weights? Don't be ashamed. Put your hand up. Don't be ashamed. There you go. So here's the interesting thing. When I started lifting weights, it was in high school. And it was for basketball. And I was on the JV team, freshman coming in. And I wanted to prove to my coaches I could play varsity, man. Like I looked at those and I'm like, man, they ain't that. They ain't all that. Like, I got this, man. Come on. So we started doing weight training. Now, I had a lot of speed. I had a lot of defensive ingenuity. I had a high basketball IQ. But your boy was weak, y'all. I mean, I was weak, Okay, It was a bad situation. So they were like, yo, we got to get you in the weight room. I'm like, cool, cool. But here's the thing, we had those plates where it looked like there were 45s, those rubber plates, but it was actually 10. Like, so it wasn't actually, it looked better than what it actually was. And so they put two 10s on either side. And so I'm looking, I'm like, man, that looks like a lot of weight. But they didn't tell me how much weight was on there, y'all. That's dirty, okay, don't do that. They ain't tell me how much weight was on there. So I get down, there, like, yo, TB, get this, knock this out, I'm like, yeah, let's go. And so I'm like, man, I don't know what's about to happen over here. But see, I didn't realize there were 20 pounds on either side, so I'm like, yo, 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 this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. And so I'm like, all right, let me get down there. So I get down there, and I just start busting out reps, and they're like, five, they're counting out, and it's filling up the whole weight, five, six, seven, eight. Now, I didn't know they were trying to make me feel better about it, okay? I didn't know that, okay? I thought I was killing it. So I'm like, mm, 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 mm. And I put the weight back on the rack, and I'm like, ah-ha! told y'all I told y'all I'm ready but then see the next week they switched out the plates okay so what was 10 was actually now 45 and so I'm like nah man put two on there they're like yo two you sure I'm like yo I got this fam. like yo I got this they like T are you sure it's your second time bench pressing ever I'm like nah man I got this I got this let's do this when that weight hit my chest yo let me tell y'all something this is the universal sign of help in the gym when that one leg go up on the bench press. <laughs> call 911, okay? When that, when, if it's two legs, definitely call 911. I was like, hold up, man. Like, how you gonna sit up here at, at, what, yo, man, how you gonna do this to me? See, I thought I was doing better than what I actually was. You see, sometimes we're lifting so much weight And we think we're lifting more than we actually are. Sometimes we think we're further along spiritually than we actually are. Do you realize that some of the stuff we do publicly, God don't honor it in private? See, some of us, we like to put up a front that publicly on social media, Us and God, we have this banging relationship. It's amazing, yo. I spend time with the Lord all the time. And in reality, you don't. You know what the Lord will do? Sometimes he'll put a little bit more weight on there. You say, you lift this by yourself since you think you're strong. A lot of the things that we see publicly, that we honor, and we say, wow, this is amazing. This is great. This is awesome. These people are holy. These people are advanced. These people have lots of money. They have great status. They're celebrities. It's an optical illusion. Because in the kingdom of God, the criteria is different, y'all. You can't come to God with your puny strength thinking that you're going to dictate things to him. That's not how it works. Paul had to realize it. And get this, there are so many people in the Bible who had to realize it too. We'll get to that in a minute. Here's what I'm trying to say. Strength draws attention to us strength draws attention to what we can do strength says you know what i'm capable of this and i don't need anybody's help you know some people have used this as an excuse to say man i don't need to be in a community of believers i got this man i'm good man i'm not talking about the people who are stepping away for a season because they got hurt in the church they're trying to heal maybe they've gone through some things that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the people who say you know what I got this sometimes life will put so much weight on you that you realize you can't do it by yourself strength it draws attention to us strength says look at me the only problem is you didn't get into the kingdom of God by saying look at me God didn't pick you because you were good Can I just tell you that? God didn't pick you because you were awesome. God didn't pick you because you were powerful or smart or beautiful. You may be all those things in the natural. God picked you only because of grace, y'all. How many of y'all have encountered grace? I mean, how many of y'all have really encountered grace? Grace is something that's undeserved. It's unmerited favor. I didn't work for grace. I can't work to earn it. It's just God is so good that he extends it to us. And one day we were against God, but God said, you know what? I'm pursuing them. I'm going to send grace out like a hound dog to grab them and pull them into the kingdom. So how are we going to look at ourselves when grace is the only thing that got us here in the first place, y'all? That's why we say, if we're not careful, strength and pride can become carnal cousins. Strength and pride. Do you realize that? That's why we push for humility. That's why we push for God-ordained weakness. Because if we don't, we'll be lifted up in pride. I can do this. I'm good. Do you realize, and I know this is a common saying, it's a cliche, but I want you to let it sink in. Pride goes before a fall? Think about that. Pride goes before a fall. I don't want you to think I slipped off the stage. I want you to think a cliff. Sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I'll be able to bounce back. No, you might not. If you lean and depend on yourself, a fall is coming. James 4 says it like this. But he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, this is why I want to be weak. This is why I want to be humble. God opposes the proud. That's it for me. God stands against this. Okay, well, I'm not that then. I'm just not going to be that. But gives grace to the humble. He's saying this. If you are humble before him, God will supply everything that you need in the area of grace. If we are humble before him, the things that we thought we couldn't do, God will allow us to do. But those who are proud, he don't help you. That's why I say strength puts all the confidence in ourselves. You know what you're saying when you're prideful? I don't need God's help. God's like, okay, sure. Can you imagine what would have happened if I didn't allow my spotter to lift up that weight that I was? Can you imagine? I would have injured myself. I would have hurt myself and probably someone else trying to throw that weight off of me. Sometimes it's not that God can't help us. It's that we're not allowing him to take off the weight. God can help us at all times. Sometimes we need to move ourselves out of the way so we can lift it. See, strength, it puts everything on us. I don't know about you. I don't want everything on me. I need some help. Anybody honest enough to say, no, no, I need some help. I need some help. I need God. I'm weak. God, help me. So number two, we're almost done here. Weakness is the foundation of God's kingdom. Weakness is the foundation of God's kingdom. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 again. This is very interesting. Look at this language. But God chose, everybody say chose, What is foolish in the world to shame the wise? God chose. Everybody say chose. Chose. What is weak in the world to shame the strong? God chose. One more time, say chose. chose. What is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. This is very interesting to me. Because it says that God had a choice and he chose it to be this way. God chose to elevate weak things to be on the side of those who are weak and to resist those who are in power who don't ask for his help. So what does that tell me? That tells me, I like like to say it like this, weakness is kingdom currency. Weakness is money that can be spent in the kingdom of God. Uh, Have you ever been to a foreign country? You ever been to a foreign country? You know, in a foreign country, they count money differently than we do. Okay, So you go to some countries and you have a million in whatever their currency is, but that's really only like $5 back home. $5, that's a Starbucks cup of coffee, it's $5. Okay. Sometimes what will happen in the kingdom of God is you got all this strength in the culture and in the world, and that translates to nothing in the kingdom. Oh, but God, look, I got, man, I got got promoted. Look at me, God. God, I got this scholarship. Come on, God. I started this business. I started this venture. He's like, that was all on your strength. That's not getting you anything in the kingdom. You didn't acknowledge me for that. You didn't ask me if I wanted you to do that. You just went out and thought it was good. Let me tell you something. Don't make plans without consulting, God. Don't set up your life and act like a practical atheist and not submit everything. Many are the plans in my heart, Lord, but it's your purpose that prevails. Self-righteousness is counterfeit currency in the kingdom of God. You can't spend that. It's no good to you. Do you realize that if I gave you a million counterfeit dollars, that would do you no good but get you and me in jail? We both going to jail, okay? See, self-righteousness can't be spent. And here's what we have to understand is that the blessings and the favor of God don't come cheap. It's not cheap. It's not like you can pull something out of your your, your pocket and just purchase it. But the reality is you have to go through struggle and trial to get the blessings of God. You have to. There's this connection in the scriptures. I love it. It's a connection between, why did I say I love it? I hate it. What am I talking about? It's this connection between suffering and glory. I love the parallel. I don't love the reality. Okay, let's just put it like that. Suffering and glory. Those who suffer will be glorified with God. Those who suffer with him will reign with him. I reckon that the sufferings of this pleasant world aren't worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's not really like a fun Sunday message, like real talk. But the reality is the kingdom of God says that you have to suffer and go through something to get the blessings of God. Think about every major figure in the scripture. Everyone. Every single one battles something. And their battle wasn't for them. Their battle was to show that Jesus is greater than them. But here's the problem. Jesus also went through suffering too. If you think you're going to get out of weakness and Jesus went to a cross, you're fooling yourself. Jesus went to Calvary, man. And we think we're going to be able to get around. Well, you know, maybe if I pray this many times, give this much money to the church, serve the poor this many times, God's going to get me around that trial. That's not how it works. And I would dare say if you're not going through trials, you should check yourself. Sometimes we think it's a blessing from God when really it's seduction from the enemy. That's another sermon. That's another sermon. I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep going. This is what I'm saying. Weakness reflects attention back to its proper source. When you are weak, you can't boast in yourself. When you are weak, you can't be lifted up in pride. You don't have any bragging rights. But weakness acts as a deflector of the attention back to God. Do you realize that you are not called to receive what God alone is worthy of? When you receive glory that belongs to God, you're in violation. You're stealing from him. Don't steal from God. Don't steal from him. He deserves all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, not ourselves. And this is what's interesting is we don't realize as we do that, as we step back and say, God, I'm going to give everything over to you. Weakness allows God total access to empower us as he chooses. Weakness actually allows us to take a step further in God's kingdom. And this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because it doesn't feel good. But how many you know everything that feels good to you isn't good for you? Sometimes we need to take a step back and say, God, I'm going to be weak. Does it feel bad? It feels terrible. It feels like garbage. But what it's doing is it's allowing God total access to empower us as he chooses do you realize that you can't get a greater revelation of who God is until you're weak? On the other, This is a word for someone. This is not in my notes. On the other side of your trial is a greater revelation of who God is. You got to take a step back, though. You got to take a step back. You got to say, God, it's not me. It's you. I can't do this. I can't carry this weight on my own. And it's really the only option you have because if you try to hang on to that weight, you're going to hurt yourself. I love this. There's a man named John the Baptist. You guys have probably heard of him. John the Baptist, he had this opportunity, right, in John chapter 1 to exaggerate himself. He had this opportunity to build in his strength. The Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem. The Levites were the priests. And they sent people from Jerusalem to ask him. They're like, yo, who are you? Because he was doing some crazy stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but, but you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? You ever been mistaken for somebody famous? No? See, I was in Waterburger one time with my dad. I don't remember what we were doing in Waterburger, But we were just hanging out in Waterburger. and then all of a sudden, I didn't have facial hair at the time, just full disclosure. All of a sudden, it's this group of girls who are in the corner, and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's Kanye West. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, I'm still looking down. I was like, I don't know. Who are they talking to? And they, they, they walk up to the table like, oh, Kanye. And I'm like, no. No. Definitely not Kanye, okay? Chill on that. But, you know, sometimes if you're the right person, there may be some benefits attached to that. So you're like, okay, well, let me act like I'm Kanye, you know. (laughs) Ha, ha, yeah. John the Baptist, he had the opportunity to act like someone he was not. They asked him, they said, who are you? Now, if I'm John the Baptist, I'm going to be like, hmm, who could I be? Nobody could verify that's not true. I mean, come on, who could I be? You know what he says? He says, nah, I'm not the Christ. They're like, what about Elijah? Nah. What about a prophet? No. Man, well, who are you then, man? You got to be somebody. He's like, I'm just a voice. Just a voice in the wilderness crying out. Make the way of the Lord straight. That's it. That's all I am. You see, you know you've reached spiritual maturity when you don't have to exaggerate how strong you are. Do you realize how free this is? That you don't have to exaggerate your capability and capacity for people who don't like you in the first place. When you reach spiritual maturity, you ain't got no exaggerations. I am who God called me to be. That's it. There is a freedom here. And the freedom is simply coming from this reality that when we are weak, when we are humbled, when we are lowly, it puts all of our faith in God. The world will tell you this, that you need to be strong. This is what they tell men all the time. You need to be strong. No weakness. No loneliness. Be strong. If someone hits you, hit them back 10 times harder. If someone wrongs you, betray them. It's a dog-eat-dog world. You got to fight back. You got to have a mentality that says, I'm going to get the people who got me. And Jesus comes and he flips it for us and he says, you know what? Love your enemies. The world says, man, you need to run to the front of the line. You need to take advantage of what you got. And Jesus says, "Ah, the last shall be first. Protect your life. Save it. Only put yourself in good circumstances. Jesus says, "Ah, if you want to save your life, lose it. And the world says, be strong. Be self-righteous. Beat your chest. Stick it out. Tell people what you can do. And Jesus says, the way of Jesus is weakness. Weakness is putting everything we got in God. I don't know about you. There's nobody else that we could put our, our faith in that would never let us down. Only God. Second Corinthians chapter 12, you can put that up on the screen. Paul, he had to encounter this re- reality When he had his thorn in the flesh. Now, this is what's interesting about it. He had a thorn in the flesh. If you read all of 2 Corinthians 12, he had a thorn in the flesh because he actually had revelation from God that was greater than anything anybody had ever seen. He was actually transported into what he called the third heaven. He had full revelation. And he didn't even get, this is the crazy thing. He says, I can't even tell you what God showed me. I can't even tell you. Do you realize how much I would hold that over your head if God told me something? And I can't tell y'all. Man, me and God, bro. <laughs> I'll tell y'all one day, maybe. You know what Paul says? He said, "Lest I be lifted up in pride, the Lord allowed a messenger of Satan to come and buffet me, to come afflict me." We don't even know what it was. Lest I be lifted up in pride. You realize that what you're going through, the trials and tribulations, are the antidote to pride. Lest I think I'm better than everybody else. Trial, tribulation, suffering. And he says, God, remove this suffering. Some of you are in this place right now. Remove this suffering from me, God. I don't want to feel this anymore. Remove this pain from me, God. I'm tired. Remove this weight from me, God. It's heavy. I don't want to be weak anymore. I want to be strong. You know what God said to Paul? My grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Why, God? Because my power is made perfect in weakness. God is most powerful in you when you are most weak in him grace is sufficient for you. So in the end, weakness and humility will always be greater than strength and pride. Always. I want to encourage you this morning not to just let this go in one ear out the other because if you're not in a trial right now, you will be. If you're not coming in contact with your own weakness, trust me, it's coming. You can set your watch by it. God doesn't want us to be lifted up but he says no 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 for me to increase you have to decrease for God to get glory we have to be weak it's the only way it works why did he say this? 1 Corinthians 10 29 clear as day so that no human being might boast in the presence of Why are are you letting us be weak? Why did God choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Why does God do this? Why does God choose the weak things to shame the strong? This doesn't make any sense. So that no one can get in God's presence and boast. Every time you come into this house, every time you receive a blessing, realize that there's nothing you can boast in. So that no one can boast in the presence of God. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we feel your spirit in this place, your presence here. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit gives us the power to walk through weakness. It is hard, but it is true that weakness is your way. I want you to lift up your hands right now with your head bowed, eyes closed. I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your hands in surrender to God. God, all we have is yours. All we have is yours, God. Surrender to him. And if you're a believer, I want you to make a fresh commitment today that I will not walk in strength and pride, but I will be weak and humble. It doesn't make any sense in the world's way, but God has come to flip that script. I will be weak and humble even if it seems like I've been a Christian for 50 years. I know all this Bible, I know this, I know. God say, be weak, be humble. Don't allow yourself to be lifted up in strength and pride because I can't bless that. That's counterfeit currency. Make a fresh commitment. You can put your hands down. And I wanna speak to the people Who are not a part of the kingdom of God this is good news for you trust me the good news is you don't have to clean yourself up to be accepted in the kingdom of God if you did you'd be messed up because nobody can clean themselves up you're not capable no matter how long no matter how much you think you know no matter how smart you are nobody can do it the kingdom of God is simply this come as you are come Yeah, but you don't know what I did last night. It doesn't matter. In that weakness, come to God. He will save, redeem, heal, restore, and deliver you. I want us to lift our hands, and I want you to pray this prayer for some who are praying it for the first time. We don't believe that words... Words uttered that the right level of words are gonna save us. We only believe that faith can save us. But these words are just a a declaration outwardly to say to God, we trust you, we believe in you. I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, God, I want you to say it like you mean it. Say, God, I thank you that you came to this earth to save sinners. I, I recognize that I am a sinner I recognize that I am in need of a savior. I recognize that I am weak. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Come and save me. Come and transform me. I give you everything. I surrender my life to you so that you can make me new. God, I am alive in you. And I will serve you and love you and follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody glad that you prayed one day and said, God, I give it all to you? Thank you so much, Transformation Church. I love you.